Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football World Cup Daily Podcast brought to you in association with Betbright. I'm Aaron Flanagan back in the hot seat once again and join us today. Um, I'm joined by Mark Jones again. Hiya. Hiya. <laughs> <laughs> Is this very regular? I'm, I'm sick of the sight of you to be honest. I, I see you both my family. Okay well in that case we'll uh, we'll can you off tomorrow's podcast and we'll get rid of you uh, for the weekend. It's my day off so yeah you can do please. Chat <laughs> 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 Craftborn's with us uh, again second day running for you as well. Absolutely yeah thanks for having me back Aaron. Yeah, no, You won't be this, this happy once you keep on doing it. I mean if, if you are on tomorrow's pod it's, it's a concern isn't it? Yeah, yeah you have, have to come to my house and make me go on it. I'm not gonna, <laughs> yeah, which is probably good. But yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, another exciting. Oh, I say exciting. I was gonna say another exciting day. Yeah. I was actually, um, obviously, the Spain game against Iran. I actually mm. thought was quite exciting. It was only one nil, but mm. simply because you, you're willing on the underdog, aren't you? O- other than you, Jack, obviously, mm-hmm. with your uh, yeah, with, with your bet predictions going for four or five nil. Um, <laughs> but um, the Portugal game, I found that quite intriguing as well because Morocco was so good. Um, the first game, I mean, that's, that's that was that was the first game. Uh, that that was the first game. So, sorry, yeah. what am I on about? Yeah. Uh, the game in the middle, Uruguay. Um, yeah. yeah, the Uruguay Against game. Saudi. Um, yeah, that was pretty poo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <it's been laughs> um, yeah. You try, you're trying very hard to, to 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 find some excitement in the games, aren't you? There were three three one nils, three games in which the the uh, fancied side won, but they were they were made to work hard for it. Um, three fairly similar games as well. I thought you saw. The difficulties that some of the bigger sides are having come up against these sort of mm-hmm. block defenses, um, especially Spain. I thought they they struggled to break them down, didn't they? Break it around down, um, and it's fairly sort of symptomatic, I think, of, of group stage group stages where you see these smaller teams playing the way they do. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the later stages when the likes of Spain come up against teams that might actually attack them. Yeah, so, yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll stick on the Spain game just because there was one quite big incident in the game. That throw-in? Yeah, just quickly on that throw-in. That was sensational. Yeah. <laughs> like, just to have, to have the, the, the balls to try something like that in, what, the 92nd minute. Yeah. You're 1-0 down of a World Cup game. But um, then he didn't do it in the end. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's like, <laughs> but, but it's the whole thing of him getting himself psyched up. He's like, yeah. chasing the ball, looking up to the sky, pointing up there, looking down again, looking up again. Yeah. And then doing it, and then oh, I've, I've messed it up, yeah. and then just throws it a short throw back to the defender. Would have been the greatest assist in World Cup history, probably. Had he oh, connected with a teammate yeah, for an equaliser yeah. against Spain. I mean, that that would have been incredible, but yeah. but he messed it up. I don't know the lad's name. I um, mm. I don't know if either of you guys know him. No, no, <laughs> no. no I say, yeah. well, whoever you are, you will forever be known as the lad who did the throwing. Yeah, well, <laughs> the lad who did the throwing. You yeah, who didn't do the throwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the bottled lad, the throwing. <laughs> the, the lad who didn't do the throwing. You've you've earned yourself a place in mirror football folklore. Um, however, I so say, well, uh, in that game there was a big incident. On it, and mm-hmm. I was going to call it a VAR incident. It wasn't a VAR incident. It was a great decision from the linesman. Mm. But he ran the scenes. Yeah. When they thought they equalised, they were on the floor, there were tears, yeah. there was jubilation, and there was just a referee stood in the middle with his arm in the air. <laughs> <laughs> a, 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 a real shame for them. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, it, it was crazy, craziness, wasn't it, the way they were ce- celebrating. But Spain let off the hook as such. Um, they dominated, but they didn't really put a run away. And I think if you don't put teams away, you can be punished. And I think Iran maybe weren't quite good enough or brave enough early early enough in the game. But better sides might punish Spain for their sort of lack of athleticism in the middle of the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, just on Iran, they obviously do already have three points to their mm-hmm. name because obviously they beat Morocco 
again, probably somewhat fortunately. Um, are they? Do they have a chance of going through? We've obviously seen Portugal struggle um, against Morocco, mm. although they did win. Um, but um, sorry, Portugal were also second best in the game against Spain. Is there a glimmer of hope for Iran here that they could? Yeah. I mean, and it, it'd be miraculous, obviously, if they did yeah. go and g- um, get through the group of death. Obviously, a bit of an interesting tale with, with, with Carlos Queiroz there as well up against Portugal. So, um, look, as, as we know with Portugal, it's, it's, it's Ronaldo, isn't it? And, and if they could possibly keep him quiet and, and play. And look, we, we saw the way they defended tonight against, against Spain. They, they, they made it themselves very... And the goal was very unfortunate, wasn't it? You know, and if they can defend against that in, in that way, then... With a bit more luck, they would have got that goal against Spain. And let's say that happens against Portugal and it goes the right way for them with 20 minutes to go or something like that. Um, then all of a sudden it's, it's panic stations for, for a Portuguese side who have Ronaldo but don't look to have much else. Um, and as I say, haven't haven't really sort of impressed. And, and we go back to it, they conceded three goals against Spain. So... Um, yeah, they, I thought they were very lucky to beat Morocco, uh, Portugal. Uh, Morocco dominated the second half and, and just couldn't find a way through. And um, Obviously, the big problem with, with Morocco, as we've seen, and Iran, is scoring goals. Um, in fact, the only goal between them was scored by a Moroccan for Iran. So um, that's where they're going to have the problem against Portugal. If they can nick one, no. I, I can see them getting through. Yeah, scraping it. Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned Morocco there. Uh, Morocco have been fantastic in two matches. They were fantastic against Iran, deserved mm. to win. They were fantastic against Portugal, deserved to win. Um, but they're probably going to go out on no points, with yeah. no wins, yeah. no goals, no nothing. It's kind of kind of a bit unfortunate for Morocco the, the way it's all transpired because let's be honest, the performances have been have been quite good. Yeah, I think they've been impressive. I think they've been bold, unlike Iran. But ultimately, they they lack a finisher, and I think it's the most sought after thing in international football when games are so tight. They really needed a, a cool head in, in and around that penalty area and they just lacked it. I think um, not Not all is lost though this World Cup. I think they've endeared themselves to a lot of um, fans at home but they're going to need to work on their style of play because ultimately it's, it's not been good enough because they, they lack that sort of clinical striker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, my pre my pre tournament bet, Mark. Obviously, I know you've you've heard all about it. Was that Morocco were going to be the dark horses? I know they've not won. I know they're not scored. I'm still kind taking of taking a moral victory. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say that I, I was right in the fact that, <laughs> I, that they were going to be a good side. Yeah, um, I was wrong though. I think it's important for them to to sort of go away from this now and and perhaps start establishing themselves more in more in African football um, and really make make an impact in things like the Cup of Nations and all that sort of stuff because. You know that will lead to their players moving to to different clubs and um, and sort of spreading their wings, if you like, and 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 um, yeah, I, I think they can they can take a lot of credit from from what they've done. And I thought against Portugal they were especially unlucky. Um, you know, I've got no idea how Portugal got away with that, keeping that clean sheet. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I think you can have a little a little, a little moral victory. They were they they were unfortunate side. Yeah, I would say if they're going to focus on African football, they've got the perfect coach to go and yeah. focus on. They've obviously they've got Hervé Renard, who has won two Africa Cup of Nations. Um, so, I mean, that's... And can levitate. See that picture today? Yeah, it was great. He, he, he can literally <laughs> float if you have your camera at the right angle. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I say, there was another game on... Um, I say, what, what, what day are you on? I'm losing track. Um, this is a good thing about the world. I say, good thing. Is it a bad thing? I always lose track of days. 
just because it's every day. Uruguay, every that was a game. Uruguay, Saudi Arabia. Uruguay, yeah. Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, quickly on that, Uruguay, they're through to the knockout mm-hmm. stages, two games, two wins, but boy, they were boring and yeah. didn't particularly play well at all, did they? No, not, not, not at all. I think um, especially Luis Suarez kind of epitomises their, um, their tournament so far. I mean, he had an absolutely abysmal opener. He got the goal today, but apart from the goal, it was it was another really poor display from Suarez. And unless he can bring his form back to what we expect from him, I think Uruguay are going to struggle in the in the knockout stages. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Group A done anyway. Um, obviously, Russia and Uruguay are going to have fighters to find out who mm. wins the group. They face off on the final match mm-hmm. day next week. Um, but Russia and Uruguay are through. Egypt and Saudi Arabia are out. Um, before we preview um, the next bunch of games, um, I spoke to John Cross uh, a little earlier today um, just to preview uh, the England's game against Panama. Uh, obviously, spoke a bit, speaks a bit more in depth about the Tunisia game, the awful flight back and possible fatigue issues for England, and also a situation where Fabian Delve might be heading home in the next couple of days. Uh, here's what John Cross had to say. John Cross, really nice to have you on the Mirror Football World Cup Daily Podcast once again. Uh, first of all, John, how are you? How is Russia treating you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, nice to be with you. Um, I, I like Russia, to be honest. It's, it's been good. It was, um, I have to say, Volgograd was uh, was something of an outpost, really. Absolutely fascinating city. So much history, so much incredible uh, sort of rich uh, culture behind it, really. So it was a fabulous place to go and visit. But um, we're back in Rapino now, so uh, that was kind of sleepy forest base. So I feel kind of almost detached from Russia. But but I like the country; it's nice. Yeah, so yeah, a fair bit of travelling for you as well. I mean, Rapino to uh, Volgograd is is not a short journey at all. Uh, but as I believe you uh, had quite a long journey back yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, it was a couple of changes really, so uh, it did take an awful long time. Um, I mean, people on the seat just don't, I think, sometimes get the grasp of just how big this vast country is. So uh, it's a challenge, really. I do think it's kind of almost. Uh, I think as the stages of the tournament goes on, it will test. I think um, teams and how they're set up and how they're sort of kind of set up logistically. And I think that will pay, play a part, really. I think if the team has got it cracked and maybe even gets a sort of a lucky draw in terms of geographical and sort of kind of where they are, then I do think it can, can give them a helping hand. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was there any signs of fatigue with the England team or has there been since, you know, obviously because of the long long journey that they've had or, or do you think the England team have, have dealt with the kind of the initial long travel quite well? Well, I, I, I personally think that they flew direct out there and they flew direct back so that they cut down the travelling time. Having said that, I do know that it's all kind of got to bed at 6am after the game. So, um, you know, it's by no means an easy sort of passage really. So they'll have to sort of kind of um, you know, get on top of that. I actually think today, which, uh, you know, sort of joining you, can't remember which day it is now, Wednesday, um, um, it, it's the only day that actually the players have got scheduled to have off um, during the whole whole of the tournament. So I think quite a few of them heading over to St. Petersburg um, sort of for a little bit of downtime, which which I guess is, is sort of valuable. But that's the only de- sort of scheduled day, really. Sort of, uh, so it's important, I guess, to recharge batteries. Yeah, 100%. Um, looking back at the game, uh, the reaction in England has been very much positive with the performance, uh, despite, obviously, the fact that 
England won uh, say very late on in the game. Uh, what was it like in the stadium? Did it? Did the performance look just as impressive? I mean, especially in the first half as well. Yeah, particularly I think the first half an hour. I think England were really good in the first half an hour. I thought they were sort of kind of vibrant, lots of pace, movement. It was really good. Um, yeah, I think it's difficult in the, in the, sometimes in, in, in the stadium to sort of judge, you know, just how um, sort of enthusiastic sort of kind of you, you get sort of wrapped up so much in the moment, sort of kind of you know, sort of uh, that, that basically it's difficult to judge sometimes how, how sort of they fall away. And I think they did fall away a little bit. In, the, in that second half, and I think um, you know that was disappointing. It's difficult to put your sort of kind of finger on it, really. But the great thing about England was that they kept going, they kept pressing. I think they were the dominant team in the second half, but they just didn't create and carve open Tunisia in the way that they had in the first half. And I guess they, they really could have put the game to bed by half time. It could have been three or four up, I think, at half time. I do think that statistically they created more chances than any other of the opening games so far at the tournament. So, you know, that's an encouragement. They've just got to be much more ruthless in front of the goal. That, that is the biggest thing I would take out of that opening game. Yeah, obviously, uh, you've spent a lot of time now with the rest of the media and stuff that's out there. Um, there's been people in England saying that because some of the favourites haven't particularly impressed, for example, obviously Germany losing, France were underwhelming, um, Brazil obviously didn't win either. There's been a few suggestions in England that... England can actually go all the way here. You know, if that's the standard, that's the level. In and amongst the media group, is there a sense that England could actually surpass maybe expectations this year? Well, what are expectations? I guess maybe expectations are kind of, you know, I don't know, it's easily confused with kind of um, hopes, I guess. And kind of I would put that at sort of kind of quarterfinal level. I guess some people are getting a little bit, you know, more carried away than that. And I guess when you win a, a game like England did against Tunisia in such a dramatic fashion that it's easy to get kind of carried away with the, that, that momentum and, and the moment. But it is, it is interesting that some, some of the bigger nations, you know, haven't won their opening games. I, I have to say, I was really massively impressed with, with, with Spain, for example. Portugal, I think, is clearly going to be a threat with Ronaldo in the team. Germany... Core, it's difficult, you know, sort of all of a sudden it's sort of a you know, bit of a mess for them sort of kind of getting out the group, so it would be difficult. But um, I, I mean, France were, were, were far from convincing, were they, either really? So that, that's an interesting one to watch. So I do think that basically it, it, perhaps it's a little bit more open because I think sometimes in previous tournaments, one big nation has slipped up and all of a sudden you've got that kind of one upset and you're thinking, blimey, I think this time, because the, the number of, of, of the big teams and the big favourites have slipped up, maybe that's what's given people a bit of optimism at home. I still think England, you know, quarterfinals would be a decent achievement and uh, I can't see them going beyond that. But within the maybe the press camp, maybe one or two are getting a little bit more excited than perhaps I am. Yeah, It's good to know anyway. It's what the World Cup does to us, isn't it? Bit of World Cup fever. Yeah. Uh, um, Looking Always. ahead to the Panama game on Sunday, uh, do you expect many changes to the team? I know obviously there's been a bit of a debate around Raheem Sterling, who obviously was a little bit disappointing um, as far as his performance was concerned. Maybe there's been a few people suggesting maybe Jesse Lingard could drop out. Um, what have you seen or what do you know? Is, the, is Are we expecting changes? 
I think that, that basically it will be limited. I don't. I think there is a bit of chat around sort of William Sterling. I think you have to persevere with Sterling. I think he's such a good player, so important, and can kind of you know do things and make things happen for England. I think the other issue is you, I don't think Gareth Southgate would want to make too many changes and disrupt the momentum gained for that win against Tunisia and um, for the Panama game. I think he's certainly going to have to make one with Delhi Alley. Um, because I think he's, he's going to be injured and miss that, that sort of next Panama game. He might even be struggling for, for Belgium, who knows. But I do feel that, that basically if you're making that one change, then I think maybe you might have to make uh, more changes uh, sort of as the, as the tournament goes on. So you, you wouldn't want to completely disrupt the rhythm and the setup of the team, particularly as a uh, difficult sort of setup at the moment, you know. So I'll, I would expect one change at the moment, and perhaps that that, that that sort of debate might sort of carry on. But but for me, I just think that maybe Loftus Cheek might come in for Delhi Ali, and others sort of might be limited. Obviously, looking ahead um, beyond that, um, Loftus Cheek. Obviously, you mentioned Loftus Cheek there. He was very very impressive, wasn't he, when he uh, came off the bench. Mm. Yeah, he was. I think he, he presents a sort of a physical power and a presence in the midfield, which might just be important, I think, against Panama, you know, who looked, who looked a sort of fairly strong in midfield. So I do think that that was sort of something to take into account. Of course, you know, sort of as I've mentioned uh, today and sort of over today, sort of Fabian Delft has a bit of talk about him potentially going back to be with his, uh, with his other half uh, as she prepares to give birth. So it'll be interesting to see whether that happens. Maybe Gareth Southgate, not quite sure when that will happen, might just think about sort of kind of calling up Ruben off his feet rather than Delph, who was preparing, of course, to come on the other night rather than sort of Ferrari in the first half, simply because he's around and he knows that basically he wouldn't lose him at a moment's notice, if you like. So maybe it's it's that really that is giving Loftus cheek the edge at the moment, searching terms. I say, John, really appreciate speaking to you. I say, we'll catch up with you uh, after the Panama game, uh, and obviously, hope we'll hopefully we'll hear from a few more of our Mirror Football reports as well. But, John, for now, thank you very much. Pleasure, thank you. John Cross, there joining us on the Mirror Football podcast, brought to you in association with Betbright. Uh, interesting stuff there, especially as I say about Fabian Delph and on the fact that obviously his uh, his partner could be giving birth and he could be leaving the squad in the next couple of days. Uh, looking ahead to the next bunch of games, Thursday's games, um, let's start on the last game of the day, just because it's, for me, the most intriguing game. Argentina against Croatia. Um, Argentina quite underwhelming in their first game against Iceland. Yeah, they were, um, especially given the start they had. You know, Obviously, uh, Aguero scores that goal, and you really thought that this was their chance to kick on and, and, and impress us, impress everyone. Um, and yet they really sort of fell into Iceland's trap, if you like, and, and uh, they conceded that goal very quickly afterwards. And and then I don't know, they they just looked they looked pretty sorry for themselves. They 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 just went obviously epitomised uh, by the by the messy penalty. Um, and yeah, they're they're in trouble here, you know, because Croatia are a, are a decent side, uh, very good side actually. And and this game. It's, it's it's a difficult one for them, and uh, Croatia were obviously buoyed by the win over Nigeria can probably afford a draw. Um, so, and you think about the players they've got, they can set up, they can set up for that draw. So yeah, it's 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 an intriguing one. It's one of the it's kind of like one of the first ones where you think this is a real sort of crunch game um, in terms of the tournament. And um, 
and has obviously been in, in crunch situations, Argentina will look to Messi. Um, but he didn't deliver for them in the last game, and, and I just think that squad needs needs to not feel sorry for itself. It, it just doesn't doesn't look like a happy place to be. Yeah, Jack, do you do you see that this is Argentina? Just this is just what they are. Now. This is just the squad, or will we see a reaction from them? Or because I, I don't know, there seems to be like you say that they feel sorry for themselves. But I've kind of got that feeling for the last two years, mm. uh, or I say a little, probably slightly more than two years. They just feel like they're never going to push on and be, you know, obviously they're fighting to be world champions at the moment, but they just don't have that edge, that killer touch about them, which is pretty alarming when you've got Lionel Messi in the team. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really disappointing so far from Argentina. I think there's an identity crisis with um, Sam Paoli. Certainly seems to have moved away from that swashbuckling uh, style that we've seen from his uh, Chile and um, Sevilla sides. Um, I think in terms of Argentina, yes, Messi needs to be the, the centre point of the team. But remember, they have other players, like magnificent players like Paolo Dybala didn't even get a look in in the first game. Um, I thought Angel Di Maria was was dreadful. Um, Messa started on the on the left. He, he was really poor. Um, the centre midfield, um, Mascarano does a job, but next to him, Biglia, just uninspiring. And yet nobody else seems to be sort of emerging as someone to light light the fuse and sort of get on the same wavelength as Messi. Um, I'd really like to see Dybala involved. Um, Higuain, uh, certainly him or Aguero, they can lead the line, but it needs someone else in that sort of deeper zone to sort of mesh with uh, Messi. Yeah. It was so slow, that midfield in the Iceland game, I thought. Mascherano and, and, and Bidio, it, it was just absolutely painfully slow at times. Um, and that's exactly what Iceland want. And... Uh, and it'll probably be what Croatia want as well. So, so yeah, it's um interesting game, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting what you say about Dybala. Mm-hmm. Dybala is surely the only player at the World Cup at the moment who, in the transfer market, is probably worth upwards of £120 million pounds and yet can't get a game at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it says everything about Argentina's front yeah. line. Um, but then, obviously, saying what we're saying about Argentina says everything about the rest of mm-hmm. uh, the pitch for them. So, yeah, certainly an intriguing game. Uh, that one, uh, Argentina at evens uh, with Betbright, uh, draw twenty-one to ten, Croatia fourteen to five. Uh, the bright bundle on that game, uh, Aguero to score first. Obviously, he got the first goal against mm. Iceland, and Argentina to go on to win with Dejan Lovren getting <laughs> carded. Uh, bit of a mouthful for pulling a, down Lionel Messi in the sixty-eighth minute. Now, yeah, um. pr- probably something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> uh, but uh, that that combination of the three: Aguero, Argentina to win, Lovren to be carded, sixteen to one. Uh, Mark, obviously, you watch a lot of Liverpool. Mm. Uh, Lovren is he? he um, did did look, you see him as a liability to get carded? Uh, no, well, he's, he's he's been playing quite well recently. I thought he was good against Nigeria as well. He was mm-hmm. excellent in the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he'll be obviously be crucial for them. The thing with Lovren is he likes to defend on on the front foot a lot. So if he can get on the front foot and get at Aguero, uh, then that obviously shortens the pitch and he'll get he'll get Croatia up the pitch. Uh, so he'll be a key player. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in, interesting to to see Croatia and what and what they can do. Uh, we'll speak a little bit more about Croatia um, ahead of their last group game. Uh, anyway, um, other fixtures are, are back in Group D. Uh, group D, sorry, Group C. I need to get on my groups right. Uh, so get me off yeah. there, right? Uh, group D, uh, France against no, Peru. C. Uh, oh, group C. <laughs> one of, in one of the other groups, France are going to take on Peru uh, right. tomorrow, and yeah. that's going to take place. And at that's f- at the World Cup, yeah, uh, definitely yeah. at the World Cup, <laughs> and it's going to take place at four p.m. Yeah, um, um, yeah. France, uh, another one, very underwhelming in the mm. first fixture. Um, 
obviously they have, they have, they have the, the likes of Griezmann and Pogba and, and Bappe and all these names that are just like one of the one of the be- I mean probably the best squad on paper but just yeah. they didn't gel they didn't work hard enough no. um, Nabil Fakir by the way Liverpool were going to pay <laughs> what, X amount of money for him and, and might still do but yeah. God I tell you he looked like a Sunday league player <laughs> um, surely we're going to expect a, a, a reaction from France in this one I'm not sure to be honest because I think while the talent is undoubtedly there they've got a manager in Didier Deschamps that a lot of people were sceptical about his ability to maximise that potential. I think there's talk that um, Matuidi's going to come back in. They're going to drop Dembele for this game. And I think that 11 is is, is creating a lot of uh, question marks. And he's, his reputation is on the line here. And um, I, I don't know. I'm, my, my faith in him to bring the best out of this uber-talented French side is... He's not quite there. Yeah, so and coming up against Peru as well, who mm-hmm. were desperately unlucky, I think, mm. not to get anything out of the first like Morocco. Game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Against them, but they just came with um, just a bit of passion. Mm. They, they just yeah. were willing to have a go. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if they lose to France, the tournament will almost definitely be over. So we uh, can mm-hmm. probably expect the same from Peru again. Yeah, um, and it's it's quite an interesting clash because the French uh, the French team, I think, a lot. You know, we, you look at them, and as we've mentioned on this before fantastic individuals but you'd question the character and you'd question the um just kind of the ability to just dig in and, and just just maybe be horrible sometimes but having said that they ground out that game against australia in the end um very fortunately i thought but but they did it whereas peru look to be absolutely chock full of character don't they so um and they'll be tearing around that pitch and they'll be they'll be really making life difficult for france uh, it's a game where if you're one of these fantastically talented french players that jack mentions there They've got to hold their hand up, and they've got to do something. They, they have to rely on on one or two, three of these players to really prove why they are the regarded in the in in the way they are. Um, and it, if they do that, then they should win. But but we've seen it many times in this tournament that 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 isn't enough sometimes. And and, and if teams can be can really be sort of uh, kind of snuffed out, then then um, that that their individual struggle to make struggle to make impacts. And and Peru, yeah, Peru. We're unfortunate against Denmark, um, and this is do or, like do or die for them, isn't it? And they look to be the sort of team that kind of would relish that. So, um, yeah, they're going to have a go at France. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, France four to seven with Bet Bright. The draw at fourteen to five. Peru nine to two. We're going on for a bright bundle. This is a another one with mm. uh, with three uh, right. three. Um, Combinations, yeah. if you like, you like your combinations. Best, I do, don't you, yeah, 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 so I do. you were. Yeah. Uh, was it the last France game? Uh, what did against I do? Australia. I think you you had a. Oh, I came pretty close. Yeah, I need like another corner. Yeah, you, or something. You, you, you were. You were. I was having a go at someone because in the last minute he put out for throwing instead of a corner. Yeah, I remember. So we were watching the cards come in and yeah, yeah, the no, they all came in apart from a couple of corners. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the bright, bright, maybe this one. The bright bottle on this one. Um, France to score. Yep, I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, have twenty plus bo- booking points. Right, so that's two bookings, isn't it? France to have two bookings. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And they also to have seven or more corners in the game. The goal in the corners, I'm seeing. The bookings might be. I sort of think if they're ahead in the game, which you suggest they will be if they scored, then they might get the book. But the bookings might come in the longer it stays nil nil. Um, so what's what's the odds? Uh, four to one. All right, yeah, it's not too bad. I think the good thing with these bets is it keeps you like excited in the game right to the end. So, 
Um, all right, yeah, I'll have a look at that. Yeah, it, it, it was interesting, obviously, when we were we went we went to the pub last Saturday at uh, ten a.m. You know, as you do, and um, we're in the Don't pub. Give away our secrets. We're, <laughs> um, we're in the pub with Alex Richards, uh, one of our, our colleagues, and he had a bet on uh, throw-ins for yeah. two throw-ins to be given in the first ten minutes. Weird, isn't it? And, and it's weird when you step yeah. into a bar and the ball goes out for a throw-in in the yeah. seventh minute, and you hear, "Get in there!" Yeah, it's odd. <laughs> Um, but, but, then he, but then he is odd, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he fulfills his stereotype. Yeah. Um, we'll now find out however he listens to the podcast every day, <laughs> whoever, he, whoever he bites back. Uh, one more game to preview, anyway, uh, from Thursday. It's the early game, uh, and it is Denmark against Australia. Um, Denmark can all but qualify for the second round, um, which, I mean, I'll be honest, maybe a bit of a surprise if if they even do. Uh, with a win against Australia, and um, they're they're expected to do so, I think, aren't they, Jack? Yeah, I think so. Australia were were pretty um, stubborn at the back, organised, but I think Denmark have got that extra quality. I think beyond Eriksson, you look at like Paulson; he looked like a a bit of a, a spark in that final third, and um, that's what Eriksson needs, isn't it? He needs somebody to to be on the move, to sort of. Um, those sort of sudden movements that allow his creativity to be taken advantage of. And I think uh, Denmark are, they're going to be uh, an interesting side in the last 16. And I can, I can see them um, relishing their underdog status when they get there. Yeah. Uh, Australia, from their perspective, uh, I, th- I think they impressed us against France in the fact that they actually came and had a bit of a go mm. and they had a little bit of quality, a bit of resilience. Mm. Um, but um, I, I've just, I've just seen the the bright bundle on this okay, one. Okay, come on you, then. You, you, come on you, then. It's another one that you'll enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with bet bright the bright bundle bet, um, there to be no goals. So okay, it, ha- it has to finish nil nil. Right, Let's two good t- two good defenses. Exactly, and would yeah. you want? Would you want? I, I, That's I, true. I, that is true. I think I remember seeing a stat the other day. This is the longest. Yeah, that um, is true. The longest run that has ever been at a World mm. Cup without mm. a nil nil. Yeah. Um. So we'd definitely do a nil nil and a Thursday morning. Oh, it's morning, but Thursday early game <laughs> between Denmark and Australia screams nil nil. So I'm already invested. Right. I'm already invested okay. in this. Let's be under seven corners in the game. Oh my god, this sounds like a great game, doesn't it? So, I mean, <laughs> um, and to be under twenty booking so points. Basically, you just want nothing to happen it, in this game. It'll be like that game when, do you remember when Germany, was it Germany and Australia or West Germany and Austria? Oh, Sorry. they just passing it around. Remember they just passed it around because they, yeah. they both just needed a draw. Well, that episode of The Simpsons where they just kick off and they're just passing that ball around for ages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be, um, um, and the odds. Uh, this the odds for the, no excitement. This <laughs> is where I'm going to drag you in. Okay, hundred and twenty-five to one. Wow. I mean, it's quite it's quite the combination. So, <laughs> under seven corners. All I've got to do is hope the game's postponed or something. And that, and that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it was interesting. I, I had the pain. Um, I say today uh, a little bit today. For those who are listening, by the way, we, we, we record we're recording in the evening. Uh, you'll be listening to this obviously the next day. But um, the Uruguay Saudi Arabia game. I I had a bet with my friend. My my friend gave me some odds um, on Uruguay to win, but only by one goal. Because he was okay. adamant that it was going to be even more. Right. Obviously, Uruguay started quite early, so obviously when it's one nil, I'm basically just cheering on, defending. No, nothing. Yeah. I, like I, when nothing was happening, I was uh, absolutely yeah. happy. It's a really, really weird feeling. Uh, but if you want 125 to one, but you can cheer on nothing like to too. Profit from misery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, guys, uh, thank you very much once again. Mm. That'll do us on today's Mirror Football World Cup Daily Podcast, uh, brought to you in association with. Uh, Bet Bright. This is also the longest podcast we've we've done since we've done the daily ones. Oh, we've gone right. we've gone over limit, oh. um, but that's only because we've heard from Crossy as well. But we can make we can make exceptions for Crossy. 
Of mm-hmm. course we can. Yeah, Crossy. who wouldn't? Exactly, yeah. and obviously we'll hear from Crossy a lot more uh, going through the tournament. Um, guys, thank you very much. Uh, can I get a day off now? Uh, hmm, I, I don't know. Uh. If, you, if you hear a knock at your door... Um, <laughs> see, the, 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 the fact that we live so close to uh, each other, you know, is, it might, might annoy you. Um, but no, um, yeah, Mark, you can have a day off. Thanks. You know, what, you, you might even be able to have a weekend off. Oh, you might be able to. Just depends if you pop up in the office at the wrong uh, point. I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, thank you as ever, guys, uh, for listening. Uh, enjoy tomorrow's football, and we will be back for an, with another episode in 24 hours' time. <laughs>